This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. Today is Horticulture Day. I'm Charity Nebbe. The growing season feels very far away, but now is the perfect time to plan, dream, and even make some purchases. The people who want to sell you garden seed are on top of it this time of year. It is the season for seed catalogs. Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension Horticulture Specialist, is here. Hello, Aaron. Good morning. And Cindy Haynes, professor of horticulture at Iowa State University, is also here. Hello, Cindy. Good morning. And I know that leafing through seed catalogs is one of your favorite January pastimes, isn't it? (laughs) It is. It's a lot of fun because you get to dream. You get to dream about all those things that you want that you probably can't afford, um, at least not all of them. And you get to to see what's new and what's different out there. And now if people are thinking, but I don't have a pile of seed catalogs, that's probably because you've <laughs> never ordered something from one before. But once you order from one you seed do. catalog, you will get a lot of catalogs, won't you? This, this is true. So you order from one or two, and then the next year you will have a dozen. Easy. So, And then the year after that, if you order from a couple more, you might have another five or six more. So... I, I'm sitting here with a stack of eight or nine catalogs already that I've gotten um, just for this year. So, yeah, pretty nice. <laughs> All right. They, they, they certainly have your <laughs> they find number. Me. Absolutely. They find me. And, I mean, these catalogs are beautiful. Uh, they're a lot of fun to look at mm-hmm. and think about what you might be able to do in your garden. But do you need to take into account where these catalogs are coming from when you're looking for seeds? Uh, to some extent, it kind of depends on what you're searching for. If it's annuals, you know, like marigolds or tomatoes, and you're going to grow them as an annual, um, location isn't as important because, you know, Johnny's seed in Maine will still have some good tomatoes, just like um, seed savers will have good tomatoes that, you know, were grown in Iowa. So that pretty much is not as big a deal. Um, if you're looking for things that are hardy for your zones, um, that are maybe a little more tough or more durable, then you might look at a catalog that is more Midwestern or that has a similar kind of hardiness. So so some of these seeds that come out of Maine are usually as cold hardy as we would need them to be in Iowa. Um, and there's also seed places in Missouri and uh, Wisconsin and Illinois that you could you could check out as well. Whenever you do look through these catalogs, they're full of maps, zone mm-hmm. hardiness maps. We know that there mm-hmm. have been some recent changes made to the map, and we'll talk about that right. on a future Horticulture Day. But uh, when you're picking out your seeds, sometimes you're tempted to try yeah. something that doesn't exactly fit into your zone. Do you have right. some words of advice there? Um, and, and I will, t- will say that our j- zones are changing a little bit and we are getting a little warmer, warmer and you might want to try one or two things that are not rated for your zone if you could go one zone warmer. Um, but then you have to think about it to really protect this plant. You need to kind of put it in a microclimate so it's a little more protected um, and maybe maybe even have to go through some heroic efforts to bring it indoors 
over the winter. So when I start thinking about all of those things that I'm going to have to do to kind of keep this plant alive just in case, especially if it's a plant and something that's a little more expensive, that's when I say, nah, I think I'll just stick to the ones that are zone four hardy, zone five hardy, um, and that will do well. And then I don't have to worry about that over the winter. Now, I think a lot of us have had the experience of going to a garden center in the springtime and purchasing Mm -hmm. more plants than we really have room for. When it comes to buying seeds, you can do that in a big hurry because there are a lot of seeds in a packet. So how do you make a plan that keeps you in check when you're actually making your purchases? I'm not a good one to ask on this one (laughs) at all. Okay, Um, ideally, how would you make a plan? (laughs) (laughs) Because sometimes I do purchase more seed than I need, knowing that I can use some of it next year um, and, you know, try some of it out. I also sometimes sow some seed and then give some of these seedlings maybe to friends if I'm starting them um, earlier. But but ideally, you're, you're checking the the label to see how much seeds in the packet and recognizing that this will do a whole row or this will do two rows in your garden and you're mapping your garden out. So if it's vegetable seed, map the garden out so that you know what you need and how much seed you need so that you're not purchasing a lot of overage. Some overage is fine because not all seeds germinate. Um, but and you might have some, you know, crop failures here or there. But you don't want to overdo it because the seed doesn't last forever. Um, it remains viable for a couple of years after if you store it properly. But the viability goes down. So and you want to purchase new seed every year. So it is a waste of money if you can't use it. So that's another way to kind of keep yourself in check. And we're so not map it out. Right. Map it out so you know what you're doing. And you know where things are going and say, I'm going to try this tomato this year and this one, and I'm going to hold off on this other one until next year. And we're not all professors of horticulture. So you probably have a lot more people you can give seeds to and give seedlings (laughs) to than say I do, for example. I I don't know. If you grow tomatoes and you start them up so that you have a few tomato plants— Every I can give them out to everyone in my neighborhood. So yeah, so it's it they're easy to give away. So and that can be a problem too because then you end up with tomato plants from friends and these are other things you didn't count on. When you're looking through those catalogs, of course, you've got this wide variety of catalogs and they all have something different different to offer. I mean, mm-hmm. you mentioned mm-hmm. seed savers, which possibly is the most beautiful of all the catalogs. The photography yeah. is always incredible. Um, right. And of course, they specialize in heirloom varieties right. of seeds and all of them have a story and they're, it's, it's right. really good reading. Um, so right. you, you know what they're all about. You look at all these different catalogs. They all have a different approach. They also all have different price points. And right. there are some things that look like really good bargains. How do you need to think about that because you also want to get high quality seed, right? Right. So if you're thinking about and you have one particular seed and one cultivar that you really want to purchase, maybe it's a new one, then you do some comparison shopping. Um, you do some shopping online to look at, oh, does Seed Saver have this or just should I go to Baker Creek Seeds instead or, you know, um, or select seeds for kind of or Renee's Gardens for heirlooms. So you start um, Googling it. 
Um, so you're looking at, at some of that. You also need to look at the fine print. So how many seeds are in a packet? Because um, that can make a big difference because some of these seed um, sources or catalogs will have larger packets of seed, which should be more expensive. Um, ideally, if you're getting it from a reputable source, um, that seed should germinate at at least 90% under ideal conditions. So, and it's only to be sold that year. So we know we have viable seed for this particular year. But there are some ways to kind of get cheaper seed if it's less seed in a packet or maybe it's not quite as clean um, as others, other seeds. So you, you do need to pay attention and kind of look at the fine print. We haven't even talked about the fact that a lot of these catalogs, or at least some of them, also have the opportunity to buy seedlings or plants. Mm -hmm. I mean, Erin, uh, <laughs> let's talk about that because I, there are always new things offered and you think, oh, wow, that's the coolest whatever that I've ever seen. And, and I, want, I want that thing. When there's a new variety of something, do you have any um, words of wisdom about whether or not to dive right in? You know, it's kind of the same idea of being like the first adopter of a new piece of technology or something like that. Sometimes it works out great and sometimes it turns out to be a little bit of a dud. And um, the other thing to keep in mind is that typically from a catalog source, uh, they're bare root. Sometimes they're plant, small plants in containers. The price will be very different. The shipping will be very different right. uh, for uh bare root versus potted plants and uh, making sure that you understand what you're getting. It's probably going to be a little bit smaller than you expect it to be, um, especially if you're usually buying things in the garden center. So keep that in mind as you're kind of ordering things and looking at the price points, because if it's the same price point as a typical perennial you see in a garden center, you know, if it's 20 bucks, um, and it's coming bare root and it's a brand new plant, it's probably going to be smaller. <laughs> right. You're going to have to uh, kind of plan for that. And ordering uh, bare root perennials, bare root shrubs, bare root trees are wonderful. They mm -hmm. ship easily, but you have to be prepared to receive them. And that's the other thing to keep in mind is that when they ship and they arrive at your house, you need to be prepared to plant because the longer they are um, in storage, the less likely they are to do well in your garden. So most of them you can order now and they won't ship until it's ready to plant in your region. Most, most of those seed catalogs, most of those companies, nurseries, mail order nurseries work in that fashion. And so take note of the date, <laughs> put it on your calendar so that you're ready when that stuff comes in. That's really important for bare root plants in particular. Right. And that's a real advantage to shopping local is that you you're only going to shop when it. you're ready, right? And you and you right. get to see it and you know yeah. if it's a quality plant. All right, we only have a, a couple of seconds left. Um, Cindy, is there something in particular you're excited about that you've been seeing that you want to plant this spring? There is one. There's a, a marigold. I love marigolds because they're so easy to grow. There's one called Mission Giant Orange. It looks like a mum. So it doesn't look like a marigold. So I can't wait to grow it to fool my students in the fall So as an ID test. So nice. that's one. Sorry, that's kind of mean. That, a Sorry. little bit. In the most beautiful way. Aaron, how about you? Uh, there is a new daylily out called See You Tomorrow. And supposedly the flowers last five days instead of one day. 
I am very interested to see how this actually performs. In theory, it would be very floriferous, which this could would be, be really cool. cool. Could be very cool, mm-hmm. or it could be a, a complete dud. dud. We have no idea because it's <laughs> brand new. Um, but you know, it, that might be my splurge this year, um, knowing that it may not pan out to what I'm looking for, but it'll be fun to try. Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension Horticulture Specialist, Cindy Haynes, Professor of Horticulture at Iowa State University. For more gardening information and tips, please subscribe to our Garden Variety Newsletter. You can find out more at iowapublicradio.org slash garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. It's horticulture day today, and although we are in the midst of a unusually warm January, it still means that the growing season is quite a ways off. But today we're thinking about spring, we're planning, we're dreaming. And if you have questions about any of the things you'd like to grow or grow better, give us a call at 866-780-9100. 866-780-9100. We've got a couple of lines open for you right away. You can also send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. Or if you have made a New Year's resolution for your garden, or you're going to make one right now, we'd like to hear about that, too. Yeah, call and tell us, 866-780-9100. With me today, Cindy Haynes, professor of horticulture at Iowa State University, and Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension horticulture specialist. And I do think about that this time of year, when it's the time to plan. You know, I always tell myself I'm not going to let the weeds get away from me this year, but I never actually make a better plan. You know, I just right. think I'll right. be better. So do you right. do you have any advice for how to make a better plan thinking about some of the mistakes we've made in the past? I, for me, uh, the big thing has been, um, you know, it's interesting because I do this at work, but I wasn't doing it in my garden and it's making a list. Uh And making a list knowing that some of this stuff I'm not going to do right away. Like I have a list right now for things I want to do in end of March, first part of April that I thought about last fall. And this has really helped keep me kind of on top of things uh, a lot better. And um, I've been actually quite happy. You know, honestly, what typically happens for me is in the spring, I look at my garden kind of emerging out of the ground and I think, oh, this all looks great. And then in fall, I think, oh, this is too crowded over here. Or this plant was the wrong size for this location. I need to make sure I move that. And the next spring, I'll look at it and go, oh, I mean, it's okay. (laughs) Right. It looks green. (laughs) Everything looks nice. Uh, Yes, yes. And so the other resolution I made was that I trust my past self um, for the decisions that I make um, because it's really easy for me at least to – to kind of second guess what I was thinking the previous 
when I wrote the task down. So trusting my past self. All right. And, and pushing, pushing yourself to take action, even when yes. it's easier not to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's probably like the number one resolution in every single part of my life. Uh, not just yes. gardening. How about you, Cindy? Well, I think I've decided that I'm going to be more like Aaron <laughs> and make a list. I just thought of um, that now. Yeah. yeah no, no. And my my uh, my other resolution was to if I buy a new plant, I've got to know where it's going to go. So oh, that's it can't, a good one. I know. So um, so I you know I'm not just buying something because I love it. I've got to know where it you know it's going to go um, before I take it off the lot. And my husband will be very happy to hear that. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to buy plants, but it's just, I've got to have a plan for it before I, I bring it home. 866-780-9100 is the number for you to call with your questions. Email talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. We've got Linda on the line in Cedar Rapids. Hi, Linda. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Okay, so... I'm wondering if it's too late to plant like milkweed seeds or wildflower seeds that need to be, I think the term is stratified. Mm-hmm. So since we're having such a nice January, can I go ahead and plant some wildflower seeds and will it be long enough for them to get this strat- stratification? I, you know, I don't know or that we've had a, a lot of stratification already, so I think you probably can. Um, I'm, I might, if I were you... Um, take half of it and put it in, in a kind of a Ziploc bag or container or something in the refrigerator to ensure that you've got some stratification and then the other half of the seed sow outside and make sure you mark it and label it really well um, so that you so that you kind of have a safety net, you have a backup plan because that refrigerator is doing 40 degrees constantly, which is perfect. Um, and some of these seeds need three months of that. So, oh, um, so, yeah. So three months. We're getting close to the the edge of that time, but I think you still have time to do it. Yeah, I was gonna say twelve weeks tends to be kind of a, a mm-hmm. number that a lot of plants end up needing, and so and and dormant seeding, especially for prairie type mm-hmm. plants, is quite common. Normally, we would do it in December or the very end of November, but it's been a a pretty warm winter right. so far. So you could probably still get away with it with some good success. Well, yeah, we and, wouldn't and if, always answer that this every year, but it's been a nice year, so you right. probably can. So and we're probably going to get some snow early next week. So, like, right oh, yeah. now would be the perfect time, right? It, yeah, because you yeah. could have that moisture yeah. from the snow, too. Yeah, that's great. Great idea. Okay. Thank you. Thanks a lot for the call, Linda. 866-780-9100 is the number for you to call. Email talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. Laura in Fort Dodge says, I have a bed along my garage that I've dug up to start over with something new, and I want to plant various varieties of sunflower seeds. Is there anything you would suggest that would be good in the bed along with them? And is it easy to just plant seeds for sunflowers, or should I try to start them? before I plant them. Yeah, always start the seeds and sow them directly into that particular area. Sunflowers are, they don't like to be transplanted unless you can transplant them in a biodegradable pot, like a peat pot or a paper pot. Um, So you could start them that way and then transplant them or just sow them directly. And a whole host of different types of sunflowers would be good. I think some things I might plant underneath those sunflowers 
might be something like some sweet alyssum, some kind of ground covery type of plant that can tolerate a little bit of the shade of the sunflower that might bloom a little bit earlier than the sunflower and then come back in the fall. Aaron, do you have some others? You know, there's, uh, so sunflowers are notorious for losing their lower leaves and for having kind of, mm-hmm. especially the large varieties, um, having kind of not very good looking legs. Right. And so uh, planting um, marigolds, zinnias, uh, other things that will do the full sun, just like the sunflowers do, could be really nice. The other one that came to mind that I think would be really pretty with sunflowers is uh, Verbena bonariensis. Oh, yeah, very Um, open. Yes. Mm -hmm. So um, this is a very, I don't even remember the common name for it, uh, but it's a verbena that has these very tall flower stalks with little purple clusters of flowers at the end. Um, and so it does really nice job of weaving in between other plants because they just kind of pop out of other plants. So the only thing to keep in mind is, is that you will have it. It will forever. reseed. It will reseed. It will reseed. But sometimes that's okay. It's kind of pretty. So uh, that was one that came to mind. Plus purple the, top vervain is the purple yes. top vervain. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah, uh, I, I used a search engine. Really That's nice. not my knowledge. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, you're just popping that out there, nope. Charity. Good job. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but I also think that purple would look really nice with all the yellows. For so. sure, for mm-hmm. sure. And uh, sunflowers. I mean, you talked about how they sowing them directly works really well. They'll also sow themselves directly for the next year. They right? will. They will. So, but you know, it that could also be some. You could have some sunflowers that you harvest the seed heads. For the birds, uh, maybe in that area. And then you can even harvest some of that seed and, you know, uh, sow them next year. So that's the other nice thing if you want to sow it in certain areas. So um, or unless you want it to do it on its own. 866-780-9100 is the number to call. We do have a couple lines open right now. 866-780-9100. You can send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. Again, any questions about the things you'd like to grow or grow better this year or your New Year's resolutions for your garden? We'd love to hear about them. And I'm curious. I mean, Aaron, you were talking about making lists do the two of you, do you actually draw a map of your garden? Do you plan it out visually? I, I do. But then my my vegetable garden, I have a little bit of a map, but it's not a very nice map. It'll just, um, and sometimes it's a, it's a, a map of pic- pictures, using pictures to know where things were at what year. So just because I want to know that I'm not, I want to rotate the crops. So that's what I, I use it for. Yeah, I always take a picture of my map so it's on my phone because uh, that's See? easier. I want to be me. more like Aaron. That's easier for me to find it later. Yeah. It's like my little archive, um, yeah. and so I can I can search for it by my home address and find it that way. Oh, nice, <laughs> so, nice. Well, uh, and we I mean because me. we want to rotate those uh, right. crops every year. You don't want to plant tomatoes where you planted them last year right. or the year before, and we think or, or we're, where you planted peppers or right. you know potatoes so yeah mm-hmm. and so we think we're always going to remember that right and we don't we don't <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's at least something don't. you learn in I your don't. 40s you will not remember yes. that at least not <laughs> not every time let's go back to the phones 866-780-9100 is the number to call k is on the line in ames hi k hi i'm interested to know how you can use the cheap 10 10 10 
dry fertilizer that you buy on your house plants. I have a tree and some bigger plants, so it takes a lot of fertilizer, and the dilute stuff you buy for house plants is so expensive. Yeah, so really any uh, complete, especially balanced fertilizer like 10-10-10 can work uh, in this for house plants quite well. The only difference will be is that you'll mix it probably at quarter strength when you use it, um, especially based on what it sounds like the frequency of your fertilization. When you buy that kind of fertilizer, the, the recommendations for the concentration are um, for outdoor plants, which grow a lot faster, which you want to grow a lot faster than your house plants. And so by cutting it um, in half or by a quarter, you know, down to a quarter, um, you can get kind of the, the rate that is really pretty good for a house plant. Uh, I actually very rarely use quote unquote house plant fertilizer. Me I'm too. always just using a basic fertilizer um, at half or quarter strength um, instead. No, half strength or quarter strength. I mean, tell me how many teaspoons or tablespoons per quart oh. or whatever. That's, that's what I need I don't to know. know. If I, can, I don't know if I can say that for sure. It depends on, um, on the, like the formulation. It does have a certain amount of, it does have, you know, 10%, 10% nitrogen. That's what the 10 stands for. Um, but um, I would have to know little bit more about it. The label should say, you know, what the recommendation is for, you know, using it and then just uh, divide it in half or, you know, divide it by four. And And if it's, if it's large quantities, that might be the kind of thing where you, you've got to do some conversions and write things down and get out the calculator, right? Yeah, maybe. The nice thing about half or quarter is that you can just have it. That's (laughs) fairly straight. And then half it one more time. Half it one more time and you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but it, it depends on, you know, like some of those fertilizers, uh, the granule size will make a difference. And the, 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 so I can't tell you exactly it's one tablespoon per a gallon or something like that, but the label will say what the rate should be and then just have it and have it again. And you're good to go. Now, houseplants can still be affected by the seasons, even though they're inside Mm -hmm. your house. Mm -hmm. Are there times of year when you shouldn't fertilize your houseplants? You know, uh, plants do grow slower or very little, uh, house plants do this time of year because the days are shorter and the light intensity is lower because of the angle of the sun and all of that stuff. And so we often really cut back on fertilizing in the winter months, kind of end of fall into winter. I will start fertilizing my house plants on a regular basis uh, mid-March, first part of April. Um, and that's when they kind of start um, growing a little bit more actively. Now, that's not to say that you can't fertilize in the winter if something is growing. So right. if you notice that it's putting a lot of new growth on, you could give it a little bit of fertilizer. But in general, most houseplants aren't this yeah. time of year. Some, sometimes I will fertilize those plants that just recently bloomed. So the holiday cactus or oh, yeah. the amaryllis when it's done blooming, I might give it a little bit of fertilizer. And sometimes that's January or February or March. That's really the only time I fertilize houseplants in the winter. So it's just those that I know need a little extra because they just expended a lot on blooming. Terry is on the line next in Oxford Junction. Hi, Terry. Hi. Hey, I planted uh, seeds last year, grew them under lights, and uh, my cauliflower never got any heads. What did I do wrong? 
Oh, there's a couple of of things that can potentially uh, cause this to happen. A lot of it has to do with the weather. Mm -hmm. Um, Depending on uh, sometimes if we get too hot too quickly, um, cauliflower is definitely something that likes it on the cool side. But it's a pretty long term crop, right. and so we are mm-hmm. of it on it. We are often harvesting it um, in midsummer um, when it is fairly warm. But it has initiated those flowers earlier when it was cooler, and so sometimes if you get this really rapid warm up, it can delay that or or almost prevent it. Um, if you're if you're the other thing I would look at is fertility. So if you're really over fertile, that can prevent flowers from forming because the plant's happy. It doesn't need to produce flowers. If you're really under uh, fertile, like if you haven't been not been incorporating organic matter, if uh, you don't use fertilizer when you plant, um, then that may be a cause, too. It's kind of an interesting dichotomy. It's like too much or too little causes a very similar response. So. Um, I would look at for fertility too, but I can't say for sure why it didn't set uh, any I mean, flowers. They formed some heads, but it was flower. in the fall. Oh, okay. So they it probably formed. was a heat delay then. Mm-hmm. Um, that so that wasn't that. your fault, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it, it was, we had those three ninety degree days in May, yeah, and that was yeah. right around when I was planting. Ah, yeah, so. and cauliflower can go out first of April. Um, Try that second week year. in April, yeah. um, and that we, could we're help. We're planning in a flood a zone. Early. Oh, we, oh, we've got our garden in a flood zone down in the Wapsie, so you know mm. it doesn't sometimes pay to plant too early. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. Well, better luck next time, but don't let it hurt your self-esteem, Terry. It doesn't sound like you did anything <laughs> wrong. Uh, we will answer more questions in just a moment. You are welcome to join the conversation at 866-780-9100. 866-780-9100. You can send an email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. And Cindy, one of our callers said, what's the marigold that doesn't look like a marigold that you talked about oh. earlier? Oh, it's called Mission Giant Orange, and I saw it in Burpee Catalog. All right. This is probably one of your students. So there. <laughs> yes, that, that would be the A student. That's there right. They're planning, <laughs> planning ahead for the next exam. All right. We will take a short break. It's Horticulture Day on Talk of Iowa. With me today is Cindy Haynes, professor of horticulture at Iowa State University, and Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension horticulture specialist. Again, you are welcome to join the conversation with your questions about any of the things you'd like to grow or grow better. 866 or send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. This is Talk of Iowa. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.
It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nubby. Today is Horticulture Day, and with me, Cindy Haynes, Professor of Horticulture at Iowa State University, and Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension Horticulture Specialist. You are welcome to join the conversation with your questions. Give us a call, 866-780-9100, or send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. Karen is on the line next in Des Moines. Hi, Karen. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I have had really bad luck with my garden, and because it's fenced in for the deer, I can't really move it. So I was thinking of just leaving it dormant this year and perhaps planting marigolds or lupines, or do you have any suggestions for me what I could do? I've had problems with tomato rot and things just... The daisies are in there wonderfully, and I move them every year, and the violets grow, but my vegetables just don't do well. Yeah. I mean, how much sun does your vegetable garden get? Well, I'm trying to keep trees down around it. I'm thinking it's... My my mother has had that garden spot for years, and things always did well, and I, mm-hmm. it's, I'm, I'm thinking it's like four to five hours at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's on the very bottom end of what a vegetable garden would perform well at, and especially hearing that it used to be good, but now trees are bigger, shrubs are bigger, everything around it. Well, the, the trees are actually be... on the north side of the garden extent and not on the south, so, hmm. Yeah, um. and, and what made me kind of think about that was that often flowering plants do a little bit better when they don't quite have enough sun um, especially some of them that you mentioned, like um, like pansies and violets and those kinds of things. But uh, but vegetables don't tolerate it very well. Leafy greens sometimes tolerate it okay, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like tomatoes and peppers, they just languish in that situation. So that may be a little bit of it. But le- mm-hmm. like letting it take a break is is a nice idea. Um, you could also, um, I mean, you could really use just about any. Um, uh, you know, annual flower that you like to give it a to give it a rest. Um, almost none of the, except for maybe petunias, are in a similar family as vegetables tend to be. So you wouldn't have to worry about some of that family crop rotation uh, considerations. Um, you could also use a cover crop. Mm-hmm. So um, something um, like cowpea could be nice for mm-hmm. um, the break year. Um, uh, uh, rye and annual rye could work well too, and that would help give it a rest uh, and so, keep the weeds down. And something like cowpea would also add a little nitrogen mm-hmm. um, to the soil as well, so that might improve the soil. This also might be a good year to to add some manure to the to the top of the soil too, as you're seeding, because you're not going to harvest anything from it. So that gives it plenty of time to kind of increase that fertility. And maybe it's also a good time to take a soil test uh, to see what that fertility is. So I, I like the idea of taking a break and, and planting a cover crop or planting some flowers and making it a pollinator garden for the year. Karen, thanks so much for the call. You can call us 866-780-9100. Cecile is up next in Iowa City. Hi, Cecile. Hello. Hi. Last Christmas, uh, not the one just passed, the one before, I received a lot of amaryllis bulbs, which bloomed, and then this summer I put them out in the garden, took them out of pots, mm-hmm. put them in the garden, brought them in in, oh, probably late September, and stuck them in a cardboard box in the basement. Will they bloom again if I put them back out into the garden, or um, are they dead, probably? 
I didn't no, repot they... them this winter. Yeah, so I would go check on those now and see what they're doing. They do have a kind of a dormant drought period, um, but if you repot them up, you should see some kind of green new growth, um, and they should actually bloom indoors again for you. Check them, because some might have rotted or, or shriveled up, but if you took really good care of them, um, you can repot those now um, after a couple of months of dormancy, and they should start all over again um, and hopefully bloom as well, if not better, than they did before. Uh, when I pl- replant them now? Right. You, you pot them up into containers and put them in kind of a sunny window um, so that you can kind of get them started. They cannot be outside for the winter because they're not winter hardy. Um, we can put them outside in spring or summer late spring or summer, and bring them back in. But, um, yeah, typically they bloom in the winter after being um, repotted. Mm-hmm. Cecile, thanks so much for the call. Next up, let's go to Kim in Coralville. Hi, Kim. Hi there. Well, I was recently gifted an orchid and a string of pearls, and I water very sparingly, but... What, if anything, do I do for fertilizer for these? I've never had either one of these houseplants. Yeah, so um, for the orchid, it's likely a moth orchid. Does it have kind of like four or so paddle-shaped leaves? Yeah, and they're in like four or five together in a clump, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's probably a moth orchid. Um, moth orchids, it should be in bloom for a while. Um, Once the flower fades, you can cut it off, and that's when I would start fertilizing half strength fertilizer maybe every other or every third time you water it um, would be a nice way to to do that one of the reasons that orchids like moth orchids don't rebloom for people is they don't give them enough fertility during the growing period during the summer and so uh, uh, getting on a regular fertilization uh, schedule like that um, half strength every other or every third time you water can really help with that um, and okay. uh the string of pearls is a succulent, kind of a trailing succulent. That probably doesn't need fertilizer really at all. I mean, you might fertilize that one like once a year, um, okay. maybe twice a year. So uh, that one is okay. The one thing I have noticed about string of pearls is you think it's succulent and you think that it really wants to dry out. And it's true. It does want to dry out, but it doesn't want to stay dry. That is one of those succulents that if you let it stay dry for an extended period of time, it really starts to decline. That's not true for others like cacti, for example. Like if you forget to water a cacti for a long time, it's They'll okay. They'll love it. <laughs> but if you forget to water yeah. your string of pearls for a long time, it will definitely decline. It needs to dry out. I, so I say that with caution. <laughs> but then, you, needs wa- to dry and, but then out. you water it well when it's dry. Yeah, after it's and dry. then you water it. That's one of the things I've right. noticed. Uh, string of pearls is like that. String of bananas is another one that's very similar um, that has a different shaped leaf that's um, behaves in much the same way, um, maybe just slightly different than what we think of with most of our succulents. Okay, and I've been watering that one from the bottom, not oh, yeah. from the top. And um, do I ever, or when do I know it should be repotted? I mean, it's nowhere near that yet, but I mean, it can get it can be in that pot for some time, probably. The, I okay. would know 
my cue to repot would be that it dries out so quickly that it's a nuisance to water. That would be one of the things. Or um, it's uh, always falling over because it's so big, which wouldn't necessarily happen with this plant potentially, but maybe. Um, or it's been more than maybe six or seven years because that potting soil will start to break down over time and it holds more water when that happens. And of course that plant would not appreciate that. Um, but, uh, it probably doesn't need to be repotted anytime soon. Um, so you're, you're good, I think for a while. Kim, thanks so much for the call. 866-780-9100. Tom is on the line next in Pleasantville. Hi, Tom. Good morning. Good morning. Love your show, by the way. Thanks. A um, couple questions here for you. Um, I know we always talk about, you know, pruning time, late winter for the fruit trees and oak trees and so on, but we get some nice days this time of the year. Can we start pruning anytime? Yes. Yes. Go for it. <laughs> okay. I had another question on uh, black raspberries, just wild black raspberries. Um, I had some pop up at the edge of the yard, and they just grew like crazy, but they flower, but they never get any fruit on there. And I've got some other that popped up 50 yards away that produce wonderfully. So I don't know if there's a reason. If you're noticing flowers, but you're not getting fruit, um, there's maybe a couple of things. Often, if, uh, if conditions are super dry, they don't set fruit well, or they set the like small seedy fruit if they set any at all. Mm -hmm. um, and for a lot of us, conditions have been dry. And so uh, that may be part of it. Um, it could also be, I mean, whenever we see flowers but not fruit, we automatically think about pollination. Is mm -hmm. there good pollination happening? They really do benefit from insect pollinators. Um, and so anything you can do to promote more kind of insect pollinators around the area, planting more flowering things in the area um, could help. I am leaning more towards conditions were probably dry. Right. Um, the other reason we don't get fruit is because they're not flowering. Um, and that might be because of low light. That might be because they're only first year canes and they only flower on second year canes. But if you're seeing flowers and not fruit, those are the two things I would look at first. All right, Tom, thanks so much for the call. Next up, Lisa in West Des Moines. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Hey, yep. I've got a question about my vegetable garden mostly. Um, we've been tilling it for about <laughs> probably 20 years uh, before planting and then sometimes, you know, um, a little later on when you need to take down the weeds. And mm -hmm. I understand that's not really good for it, so... Um, my other option I think can think of is to hoe the entire garden and plant it by hand. So right. I don't know um, if you have any suggestions for me. What, I sh what should I do? You can still till the garden. Um, I think the, the concern is that you might be losing some of that soil through erosion if it remains tilled um, for a long period of time. Um, so... The other thing you can think about is maybe just tilling the strips that you're going to plant um, in the spring, if you can do that, so that it's a little bit easier. And then you can have mulch in the kind of walkways. Um, that that could be something you can consider. You can also just... A, a good garden, when you get a good handle on the weeds and you're not tilling and you have a good kind of mulch layer, 
then you can just plant where you're transplanting or where you're actually sowing seed for that one row. And then it can actually benefit you from a little less weeding is required. Because every time you're tilling, sometimes you're kind of um, exposing some of those weed seeds that have been there um, that might come up. So there's some advantages for both ways. Maybe you don't have to till as much, or maybe you don't have to till um, as much when you're tilling um, that make it a little bit easier for you to garden. Okay. And I know that um, night crawlers and stuff, I I really Mm -hmm. don't see them anymore. So is there a way to replenish that? Should I? I I think you'll probably see that if you're not tilling as often you might see some of those come back. You can certainly buy some worms, I mean, and add them um, as well. But I think I would just focus um, maybe taking that soil test uh, to see um, if the fertility is pretty good and maybe not tilling as often and only tilling when necessary um, might be the, the way to go. You know, one of the things that I thought of while you were talking about this, Cindy, was, you know, one of the downfalls to tilling is pulling up weed seeds. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the garden is weedier because we tilled, which seems a little counterintuitive right. on, on, on on the surface. But um, one of the things you can do this spring, if it's dry early enough, till about two weeks before you're planning to plant and that will bring up weed seeds, of course, and then let it sit and all this stuff will germinate. And then you can go through and, you know, uh, hoe it out or um, even use uh, like something like a herbicide if you wanted to. Um, but the, the st- it's called a stale seed bed technique. And it can hopefully really cut down on your weeds mm-hmm. so that you're not tempted to till mid-season. And that would help kind of eliminate some of that tilling, too, because you can absolutely over-till a garden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're doing it in the middle of the growing season, um, you might be turning the soil over too often and causes nutrition to go um, out. You know, it causes uh, fertility to go down faster. It causes soil particle size to get smaller, which can lead to compaction issues. Um, and it turns up a lot of weed seeds when you do it too often. So that might be a way to help you eliminate that summer tilling uh, because of the weeds. Lisa, thanks so much for the call. We'll try to get to it. a couple more questions here. Joe is on the line in Ames. Hi, Joe. Hello. I got a question about pruning a cherry tree. I've got a Montmorency tree, and it's really pretty dense in a canopy. It's very dense. In fact, it's got a lot of small branches in there. And last year, mm-hmm. it bloomed pretty well, but it didn't really set cherries very well. And I wondered if it was not getting enough light in there. So how would I prune that out of there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cherries do, uh, I mean, all fruit trees benefit from a, quite a bit of regular pruning. And with a cherry tree, we do want to open the canopy up uh, by removing some of those smaller branches. They're not going to be very productive anyway. Um, ideally, a lot of, especially cherries, peaches, plums, we actually try to form like a almost a bowl shape mm-hmm. with the canopy of the tree so that light can penetrate on the inside of the canopy better to allow for better fruit set and better fruit ripening. Um, And so anything you can do to kind of clear out um, and thin out that canopy so that more light can penetrate in will help with production. And you could do that now Mm -hmm. all the way through mid-March, whenever the weather is decent enough to do it. 
So should I, uh, size-wise, the branches I should remove? I mean, like the little finger on down, that sort of size or bigger? Or Usually about an, yeah, if, if you can prune it with a loppers or a pruner, then uh, it's certainly small enough to prune um, without a lot of issue. Um, one inch is about my threshold. That would be absolute largest branch. I would probably remove most of them with a hand pruners that size, whatever you can easily remove with a hand pruners would be the kind of branches you would want to thin out to open up the canopy. Thanks a lot for the call, Joe. And one final question. This is from Marlene in Ankeny. She says, I have a small potted arborvitae that I decorated outdoors for Christmas. I want to keep it alive if I can. Mm. Should I plant it in the ground or keep it more protected? I have a place on the west side of the house where I could plant it. I would like to use it as a Christmas tree again next year. So would I keep it in the pot and bury the pot? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, this one's going to be tough because that tree is almost certainly not very dormant. No, <laughs> and it's it's not ready to go back outside for this cold weather that's that's right, coming right so uh, if you have a three season porch if you have a really protected area that's not going to get much lower than or 20 garage, or um, garage. yeah 25 degrees that could work very well uh, for the rest of the season and then you can plant it in the spring all right aaron style thank you so much you're welcome cindy haynes thank you thanks for having me Cindy Haynes, professor of horticulture at Iowa State University. Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension Horticulture Specialist. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Have a great weekend.